You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast, brought to you ad-free with the support of our patrons. Visit mashthosebuttons.com or stay tuned after the show for more details. Those Buttons podcast about Warcraft story and lore. My name is Nick Zalankevich, and I'm Gragthar, Torn Hunter on Skywall US, and Katie, Clanker, Goblin Resto Shaman on Earth and Ring US, is not here with us today. Uh, instead, today we have uh, two fine gentlemen with us. Normally, LFR stands for looking for raid, but today it's going to stand for looking for replacement because uh, Katie's not here. Uh, so we have uh, Dracoris and Sarith from the LFR podcast. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. How are you guys today? Very good, thank you. And thank you for having us, um, yeah. especially for rescheduling after things fell through last week. Oh, that's, well, as, as I said, real life is the, the enemy of the podcaster because you, you, you I don't know, I, you, you plan out your schedule. I've got podcasts scheduled, you know, for, I, I, I like to keep like a good like month or so ahead. And then like half the time, it's never, never when I think they will be. But uh, no, I'm glad we could uh, get together to do this here. Um, so you guys have agreed to come on. We're going to talk about patch nine point spoilers. Um, but before we do, though, uh, if you want to talk a little bit about your show, um, I asked my wife, who, who is who is LFR? And she said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, if you guys want to talk about your show here, uh, you know, please go ahead. At least she didn't say we wear a dress. <laughs> So, um, far is we, we've like to refer to it as a, a casual Warcraft podcast, and um, the reason for that essentially is that we try to explain the lore in a way that your your casual Warcraft player will understand. So, um, you know, not necessarily the people who are listening to all the lore podcasts like Thor and the Goblin, um, but more the people who are clicking their way through all of the quest text and, and actually don't know that Anduin isn't a paladin, for example. Um, so what we do is each episode we choose a different character or a topic within the world of Warcraft and we try and explain it as succinctly as we can um, to give people kind of a grounding and, and a, a sort of a history of who that character or what that thing is. Does, does Blizzard know that Anduin's not a paladin? <laughs> I mean, you know, in game, I'm not sure they do. In the novels, I think they're very clear. They are, in they game, are. I'm not sure. They also think he's got a little warrior going on. Little single-minded fury. Yes, I, I was pretty confident he was a rat pally when I watched the B, the BFA <laughs> uh, Battle for Lordaeron cinematic. Personally, up until he split Charlemagne and just ran in. I think you could look at the main WoW characters and argue that the set of abilities that they have collected means that they're playing a different game than the rest of us. Like we're all stuck in a class and we're adhered to a certain set of abilities. And they've got one of those games where there's like sort of like just a bunch of different skill trees and you can pick kind of what you want from where you need. And then they've, they, I don't know how many points they've put into different tracks, but they've got, I, I, I don't have a lot of shaman and I haven't played a lot of shaman, but I'm pretty sure thrall shouldn't be able to use whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, thrall was a warrior before he was a shaman. Um, yeah, he just rerolled back. He pulled the Drekthar. Oh. 
Did he reroll back, or is he some kind of like maybe that's the thing? Is they just have access to like multi class or something? Maybe that's coming <laughs> in uh, in ten point Oh, that would be awesome. Maybe we see we're going here. We're, this was supposed to be a podcast talking about nine point one, and we've jumped way into the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, time time has no meaning oh, in the Shadowlands, so all patches are open to us right now. <laughs> so, so one one of the things that I do like about your show because you take a very character centric approach to each of your episodes where you pick one character and you really go into a deep dive. And I do like how you sort of start the show about like, who is the character? And then you go through like their whole history. And then at the end of the show, you're like, so who is the character? And then you kind of give like a quick summation of everything you've gone over. And I think it's a very, it's a, it's a nice format. And it's a good way to introduce people. Like you said, for people who don't follow the lore too closely to get a nice, like sort of top level summary of who the main people are, because we see these, you know, especially when they get a character, you know, we had Cadgar for two expansions. We've really had a heavy focus on Sylvanas for like three expansions now. Um, uh, you know, you did uh, Alex Straza. You did Nerjul. I thought the Nerjul episode was good. Um, so you guys, you know, you've done a good job sort of like these characters that we see on a regular basis, um, you know, bringing them in and giving us, uh, you know, giving them attention so we know who they are, uh, you know, when they come in and out of the lore. Because, we, you know, we like I said, we see them for a little bit and then we don't see them for a while. And then we see them again. Um, supposedly if we want to just jump right into the spoilers here supposedly i've heard rumors that cadgar may be showing up in 9.1 i'm so glad you brought that up um because actually i saw this for the first time uh two days ago if we hadn't rescheduled this show i I wouldn't have had any idea what you were talking about um but yeah there's an npc in oribos um called a watchful raven and it's it's flapping around there and i mean i'm pretty confident it's cadgar well, and that's the one uh, tinfoil theory I think I've out tinfoiled Dracorus on. Now, what, now, the thing is, a watchful raven by itself doesn't mean anything, but what's the one thing in particular about the raven that indicates it might uh, be yeah, Cadgar? Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's faction identity when you hover over it is Kieran Tor. Ah, there you go. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, and I mean, to, to go kind of even more speculative on this, there's a character we meet in Corfia. Um, who is called, I, I want to say it's Targalon, check, check my notes, Targalon. Um, and he, his uh, subtitle, his title is the Secret Keeper, or Keeper of Secrets, rather. Now, what did Medivh mean, Secret Keeper? In mm. And oh. I, I just think that's too much of a coincidence. Hmm. So you think that character is Medivh then in some other guise? I kind of feel like it might be. There's an awful lot of we're sort of jumping the gun a bit on on things that happen in the in the PTR at the moment, but um, there's an awful lot of characters that aren't what they appear to be um, with dreadlords and and what have you, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if if it does turn out that way. Um, there's there's one piece of quest text, not quest text, dialogue in particular, um, where one character says to this this keeper of secrets, um, "Are you sure you should be getting involved in the battle? Are you sure you should be getting involved in this?" and and kind of gets cut off mid sentence. And I, I, there's definitely something going on with that character. And either Blizzard are being very lazy in having a character called Keeper of Secrets and a character called Secret Keeper, or there's something in that. I don't, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that's laziness. I think they, well, especially with the, with stuff along like the lines of Ilganos Whispers, I can't, I don't want to say Whispers, but (laughs) with respect to like Ilganos Whispers and stuff, um, I think that Blizzard has made it up because they've been so vague on the whispers. 
they have to turn around and when they do actually introduce them in the game, they have to be very blatant about it. So we know this is what we were talking about because one of the reasons that I ask about Cadgar is because he, uh, we, there's the one whisper, the Lord of the Ravens will turn the key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Cadgar is one of the people who has been, you know, considered a candidate to be the Lord of Ravens. Uh, another one was Ravencrest because at the time it was Legion and Ravencrest was heavily involved. I don't think he's done anything since then. So I think we can kind of cross him off because it would be super weird if he came back out of nowhere to, to show up now. Uh, but then we also have Odin who was regarded as the possible Lord of Ravens. Is he in 9.1? Yes, he is. <laughs> um, he absolutely is. However, whether we'd have any involvement with a key or not, I'm not sure. I, I kind of feel like, his involvement in 9.1 revolves around the eye of the jailer. Yes. Also Odin's eye. Um, and I, I, I think that is his involvement. I'll be surprised if he crops up again after that. Um, certainly within 9.1 anyway. Um, having played through the PTR and played through to the end of the current campaign that's on there. Um, I don't think there's any sign of that happening. Um, so I mean, if it was me, I'd be saying the Lord of the Ravens is almost certainly Kadgar. Um, with an outside bet, possibly on Medivh, because he could do the whole turn into a Raven thing. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yep. What if what if the Secret Keeper is actually Ravencrest, and that's how they bring him back? <laughs> if the Secret Keeper is actually Ravencrest, <laughs> I'm going to give up law podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> if you give up every time one theory of yours fails, we wouldn't have gotten through episode one. <laughs> right, I'm a big fan of professional wrestling, and uh, Ric Flair has retired something like 30 times. And he's still there. I, I can do that. I think he's got a little more clout than you. Hey, that's just offensive, Sari. <laughs> Watch your mouth out. <laughs> I'm going to start referring to this show as like the Space Mountain of of uh, what lore podcasts, but <laughs> no, longest what... reschedule, longest line. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things, though, that I find interesting about Cadgar showing up in, and Odin at the same time is the fact that it's the it's both sort of the leading candidates for the the, the Lord of Ravens. Like the like, it's the kind of thing where I think at first when Odin was showing up, because I think Odin we we saw Odin in the spoilers like a week or two ago, and as you pointed out, the Cadgar Raven just showed up now, and it's the kind of thing where I think Blizzard wants to keep us guessing. They don't want to make it too obvious at this point, which one it is. So they need at least the two of them to be kind of not together, but like showing up at the same time, just so it's like, okay, something's going on. I could see it be the kind of thing where we might get through 9.1 and 9.2. I don't know how long they're going to be able to let this expansion go, but it might be the kind of thing like at the very end of the expansion, all of a sudden Odin's just like, Hey, by the way, can you get me one of those keys real quickly? I just need that for like 30 seconds. And (laughs) like, we just go to a little sub, you know, side quest out of nowhere. And then that, that sets off whatever 10.0 is going to be. Or after all this, you know, we in 9.2, we go into Thross or somewhere like that, and there's a whole new character who's just called the Lord of Ravens. Also true. Sitting there looking at each other going, did you know this was going on? Isn't there, <laughs> isn't there a Raven Lord in uh, Heroes of the Storm? I wouldn't know. I've never played Th- Heroes. There's some, I think there might be some Lord of Ravens character in Heroes of the Storm. Maybe he's going to cross over. And maybe that's what, he turns the key and he releases all the Heroes of the Storm characters into... <laughs> Into, that's to where we get the crossover for 11.0 which, if, which heroes of the world of warcraft <laughs> honestly the, the title of that would have to be some sort of kingdom hearts reference wouldn't it, or else they couldn't get it. <laughs> that'll be like 11.03 and a half point five or something like 
was it like three and five eighths? What is the one? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah! Don't get Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I can handle. I can handle a WoW lore podcast. I cannot handle a Kingdom Hearts lore podcast. That's a that's a bridge to. That's the Space Mountain of lore podcast. <laughs> I, wonder I wonder if that exists. Has anyone been brave enough to actually do it? There must be, because that's uh, that's an undertaking. That's my research for tonight, there. <laughs> <laughs> so. So overall, then, on the PTR, what has been the most mind-blowing or most exciting thing, or, or even most satisfying thing, maybe, if you, you, know, you had a theory and you got to see it play out? What's been, the, you know, what's been like the big thing that you're like, yes, that is what I can't wait till it's live in-game, because that is what I'm excited for? And for me, it's the fact. It, it's less something that's been satisfying, more something that's like, I now know exactly what I'm waiting for, which is, obviously, on the PTR, you don't have most of the cutscenes. You have, you have the text that comes up and says, a cool thing happens here, and that's it. And one of those cutscenes that, that is missing um, comes about when we deal with, finally, the, the Night Warrior curse and Tyrande. And that cutscene, we don't know what happens exactly. We do know that we think we see a loon. Or if we don't see a loon, we hear from a loon. Um, because, basically, that cutscene happens, and at the end of it, there is a tear of a loon, uh, Tyrande is healed or cured or whatever you want to call it and the Winter Queen is there practically speechless saying that her, her sister hasn't abandoned her um, you then have dialogue between Ysera, Chandris and Tyrande discussing what Elun said and the fact that Elun said that there's a purpose for the souls from Teldrassil okay. I need that cutscene <laughs> <laughs> all I want to say is that uh, Andrea Toyas put a she put like some kind of image of her office when uh, everybody started working from home so this would be about a year ago she tweeted out a picture of her and of like her desk and working from home and in that picture she had like a to-do list and it was kind of at a bad angle and it was you know it's, it's handwriting so it's it, you know it's not the most legible thing but I like screenshotted that and I was like yelling at my monitor like enhance enhance <laughs> trying to see if I could get any kind of clue off that whatever and one thing, I think she had to get an oil change. Um, but also, <laughs> I kind of thought that maybe you could kind of make out the word Illune somewhere on there. And I'm like, this is way too, I'm way too like out there on this. And if for all I know, it, that's legitimately not Illune. And it could be completely unrelated to the fact that we may very well have a voice actor for Illune in the game anyway. But uh, I may have to like, retweet that or something just to be like see i knew i was right about this all these months ago even though i didn't say anything <laughs> yeah it was actually it. elantra she was putting that she needed an oil change <laughs> for her elantra well hang on a minute now you sure it didn't say eno it might have said eno <laughs> could we be getting a character called oil change in the game who will then be voiced <laughs> so, uh, so, so oil change would turn out to be a dreadlord in the end anyway <laughs> <laughs> We were all Dreadlords the whole time. The real Dreadlord was inside us all along. <laughs> uh, now, the one thing that you mentioned that I find interesting is that uh, that the Knight or the Winter Queen, is she says specifically, my sister hasn't abandoned us. And that's interesting because what was the one complaint about the Night Elves after... Teldrassil in particular, like Delarin and, and the, the ones that were dead and then resurrected. And everybody was like, well, how could you turn on your, your, you know, how could you join Sylvanas and turn on everybody? And like, well, Elune abandoned us. And so I find it interesting that 
that the Winter Queen, somebody who can see more of the cosmos than we can, who understands sort of the cosmic significance of things, she also felt abandoned by Elune. Yeah, I I have a. I'm not even sure I'd go so far as to say it's a pet theory because it's something I first thought about at like midnight, night before last, and I haven't <laughs> had a chance to really focus on it yet. Um, Sarif knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> but when I was doing the notes for uh, our episode on Valen, our LFR episode, um, I noticed there that actually the Draenei did send people to help out in Ashenvale when back in BFA, you know, when the Horde attacked. And one of the things Valen said was that he was prepared to go at a moment's notice if they needed support at the Exodar. So if the Horde decided to attack there, given, you know, how close it is to the Darkshore. And that didn't happen at all. The Horde didn't attack the Exodar. They pretty much left the Draenei alone. And I've got a little bit, well, a bit of a tinfoil theory here, but with Elune apparently saying that there's a purpose for these souls from Teldrassil, and with the, there's a lot of reference in 9.1 to us being uh, the Moorwalker as opposed to a Moorwalker. And this is all tied to our connection to the world soul, apparently, Lazaroth. I'm wondering if there might be a reason that Sylvanas wanted souls from Azeroth as opposed to just souls, because Draenei are not from Azeroth. Draenei are from Draenor or Argus. And I'm just wondering whether it's going to turn out that there's some sort of master plan here involving flooding them all with souls from Azeroth. I, I, I can't really go any further than that with it on speculation, but it, it just feel like there might be something there. Well, the interesting, the interesting thing about Azeroth is that like we're a planet, like we call like, we call it the game is world of Warcraft. Like our planet is like bread for war. Like we've had the orcs come here and then we've got the humans. And then even then, like when, uh, at the end of mists, when Tong is talking to, uh, trying to explain, uh, like to Rathion, like, why is it important that the Horde and the Alliance are always fighting each other? It's like, no, because the conflict that breeds strength, like this planet going back, you know, to the first war, at least has just been a constant, you know, a constant, uh, you know, like clashing of two factions, just constantly weeding out the weak. And, and if, if you want to take like, you know, if you want battle hard and battle ready souls, if you want to build an army of like the toughest souls in the universe, you're going to get them from Azeroth. And so you might be onto something there that in particular, like if, if, if Elune wants to build, say some kind of army, I mean, you start, you know, start with Azeroth. I don't know that necessarily everybody in the tree that died were the warriors and the, the frontline people, but it's still, you know, people from this planet that, uh, there, yeah, there might be something there. I think you're, you're on it, the right track. It might, it might also the be same. connected to the, the Emerald Dream connection there. Um, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, I would think that a soul from Azeroth would be connected to the Emerald Dream in a way that, for example, a soul from Draenor or Argus wouldn't. Right. Um, I mean, you can't be a Druid, a Draenor Druid, can you? you know, and I mean, at the same you... time, there's only one race on Azeroth that was instrumental in defeating the Legion three times. At one time, they did it almost entirely by themselves. The Torin. Exactly. <laughs> Old High Mountain is going to win everything. He, he doesn't show up in 9.1. I don't think anybody's seen him around. Paul High Mountain. Yeah. He's instrumental in 9.1, yeah. What? Um, yes. Yeah, the, that, nine, that Night Warrior storyline that I was talking oh, about. Oh, that's all him? Yeah. Oh. He, um, so what he does is he helps us find previous Night Warriors. He himself is a previous Night Warrior. What? Um, yep. Ooh. And he helps us find examples of other previous Night Warriors to help heal Tyrande. So the examples that we find are, and I didn't manage to go back in and, and get this NPC's name, but maybe you'll, you'll recognize her if you've done Maldraxxus. Um, the spidery lady 
from the House of Eyes. I, I didn't recognize oh. them, but I haven't played through the Maldraxxus campaign. Um, I know who you're talking about, and I can't remember her name. Yeah, I'm, I'm not she was like Vash's like second. Yes, yeah, exactly. She's Vash's second in command. Um, so we go and find her at the top of the um, is it the sepulchre? You know, the big tower full of books in Maldraxxus. Yes, um, we find we find her at the top of that, um, and we recruit her to help. And she basically has to go and ask Vash if she can come and help us. And Vash says, "Well, sure, but let's make them go kill some stuff first. So we have to go and do some quests in Maldraxxus." Um, and then, yeah, we we recruit this the spider lady. And I'm sorry if I'm offending any necrolords out there by not knowing her name. Um, but we recruit her. Um, Horn High Mountain then goes and gets himself captured in Revendreth looking for another one. So we have to go and save his ass. And when we do, we find that the Stone Rite was once a uh, Night Warrior as well. So <sighs> the Stone Rite in Revendreth comes along and helps out too. And uh, and yeah, and that then we go and do a little a little magic ritual thing and, and heal to under. Yeah, Holm High Mountain plays a big part in it. This feels a bit like hearing, like, oh, yeah, this is like some kind of exclusive thing. Like, only like very few people are Night Warriors. And then you like look around, like, everybody's a Night Warrior. You're like, oh, yeah, I was, yeah, back in the 80s, I was a Night Warrior for a few weeks. It was awesome. Like, yeah, it's like, I have the Ashbringer. Right. Yeah, the Night Warrior is like the artifact weapon now. But it's just, <laughs> <laughs> there's the Night Warrior class hall, and everybody goes, hangs out there. Yeah, maybe that'll be the new hero class in the next expansion, <laughs> Night Warrior. <laughs> And, uh, but you're only allowed to play for like 27 days out of the month. And then for the other three days out of the month, you're a raging ball of anger and can't control what you hit. That'd be that really seems, fun to raid as. That seems that seems to be what Tyrande had going on anyway. That's Well, that's good to hear that Hon's coming back because he is one of my, yeah. my favorite characters. But uh, wow, that, yeah, I'm, I'm absorbing this like, oh yeah, there's a ton of Night Warriors news. <laughs> like. Okay, well, that's yeah. good to know. I mean, you, say, you say there's a ton of Night Warriors. I mean, there's three aside from Taranda in the whole of the Shadowlands that we're aware of. Oh, that's true. Um, it, fe- it feels like a lot. Us. It feels like I'm, I'm being inundated. It's raining Night Warriors. And then there's one other, I think, that we come across in the um, the Nightfair campaign. Yeah. Another one there. So I think so there's four plus Taranda. But, then that but it, it does feel like a lot where it's like Taranda has this special power, and then all of a sudden it's like, let's go find all these other people who had the special power. And Spoiler alert, you've known them all the time. It's very much a Dragon Ball Z type thing, isn't it? You know, got, <laughs> Goku is an alien. What? He's an alien? Aliens are real? Yeah, and here's a million of them that you're going to meet over the rest of the series. Oh, and by the way, he's not the only Saiyan either. There's thousands of those. But he is the only Super Saiyan until the next season when there are three of them. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds about right. So, Sarith, what have you seen on uh, the PTR that's, that's blown your mind that you're excited about or, uh, or looking forward to when it's live in-game finally? Saying that it blown my mind, uh, it didn't blow my mind, but it's what I wanted since we learned about Shadowlands and just getting it, and I can't wait to experience it, and if it's not voice acted, I'm going to be very disappointed. But when Thrall and Draka meet, especially after the little quest line where she's like, all right, Goel, what's up? I just I need to hear that in Deborah Wilson's voice. Yes, yes. So they, I, I, so they finally get to spend some time together. That's that's something I know a lot of people have been waiting for. It's ever since they said like for an example of someone you'll meet in Meldraxxus is Draka. Everyone's like, well, I guess I guess Thrall is going there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, even I, I don't have the text in front of me, but I read through it, and it's gonna, it's. It feels like almost doesn't feel like Draka talking. It feels like Deborah Wilson talking. If you watched the oh my God. Shadowlands voice actor panel, that 
Yeah, if you have not watched that Shadowlands voice actor panel, go watch that. Especially, I mean, the 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 depths from which uh, Deborah spoke. It was like a motivational speaker kind of presentation mm-hmm. more than it was any kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. like, like uh, yeah, yeah it, it's yeah, it was very very emotional. Um, and I would highly recommend checking that out. I'm sure it's still available on YouTube somewhere. Um, but I mean, plus the rest of the panel is just fun anyway. I mean, you've got, uh, the, the guy that does the voice of Blonde Somdi there and the guy that does the voice of Denarius. So, you know, good times all around. Maybe but, uh, another voice actor who was on that panel was the guy who did the voice for Anduin. Yes. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I found out something about him this week that was interesting. And I think I retweeted it, um, which is that he, when playing well, which he, he does a lot. Um, he goes to vi- he goes to visit Rathion regularly. Huh. Um, no, and when he when he says he goes to visit Rathion, there's a clip from Twitch of him showing what he does when he goes to visit Rathion. So you know how most of us, if we want to empty our bags, we just uh, hop on the repair mount or go to the nearest vendor. No, he he goes to his garrison, uses his half, goes all the way to Silithus, and feeds all of his trash to Rathion. <laughs> 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 I think it's tremendous. That's hilarious. So what? So do you know exactly what happens between the two of them, Thrall and Draka, that that you're excited about, uh, Sarith? Just that whole. I, I did read through the whole conversation, and just seeing all that uh, gives me hope that we might not get it in nine point one, but we might. But just seeing more interaction with them, and I think it'll have a positive impact on Thrall, and hopefully he doesn't kick the bucket in Shadowlands because I think he might. There is a, and I'll admit I've I've contributed to this because I put the theory out there myself. But there is a like a a strong undercurrent of thralls gonna die, speculation and like it's not it's not prominent. It's not uh, uh you know the 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 primus is the rune carnivore of prominent, which we'll get to in a little <laughs> bit. Um, but it's it's like you hear about it and like you know like when you when you talk to people, they're like, oh by the way, I think thrall might die, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'm on I'm on board with that too, actually. And I'm not saying that I want him to die. I'm just thinking like. I don't know. You know what? I think what did it for a lot of people was that thrall retrospective at BlizzCon, where they're like, mm-hmm. "Why are you putting this out here? <laughs> this isn't." It's like on Lost, like right before the character dies, you get like their big <laughs> like resolving backstory episode. We're like, oh, "Okay, like let's remind you of why this character you like this character," and now we're gonna kill them. And uh, yeah, I think Allie was the first person I heard say it, and I was listening to that episode of Live Laugh Lore after BlizzCon, and I. Pretty sure I just yelled at my radio. No, don't fucking say that. <laughs> well, the weird thing about it is that Metzen wasn't there. And it's mm-hmm. like, why would you do this panel without me- like, like what? Like, were you? Well, I mean, they've, they've recast him, haven't they? They've, they they did. Now, yeah. Well, they, they did. They, uh, originally they said it was due to the pandemic that they, I guess they mm-hmm. couldn't get Metzen into the studio and they did, did announce another voice actor. And in particular, he did some voice acting, uh, for thrall in hearthstone, hearthstone yeah. but I don't know if they've actually gone back to using Metzen or they're still using the same guy for all of the lines. In... I think it's the new guy. I, I think... think it's the new guy. And um, well, actually, hang on. I can tell you this, um, 9.1 at the moment he's unvoiced. Um, so for 9.1, he is not voiced at the moment at all. So that conversation between him and Draka, Drucker's voiced, um, Thrall isn't, but they might not have made a decision on that yet. That could be, hmm. or they, or maybe they just haven't had again because you know they're not recording in the studio yet. Maybe they're still just getting that scheduled. I mean, one of the things that they did mention in the voice panel, uh, and this was something that I was worried about as well, is that they were like, we don't even know if we're going to be able to have sound of this expansion. That this might just be a completely unvoiced expansion, and then they figured out a way to have everybody record from home, which is impressive because I mean. 
you know, we we're all recording right now from our respective, uh, you know, uh, domiciles. Um, but I'm sure you, I don't know if you heard, I had a washing machine running before there was a kid screaming. Hopefully that'll all get edited out. And if it does, thank you, Kurabara, um, our, you know, our editor, but, uh, you know, I mean, we, we go through a bunch of hoops and stuff and this is just for our, you know, hobby level, you know, I mean, I wish we could, uh, you know, we strive to hit professional grade here at mash those buttons, but you know, at the end of the day, we're still a bunch of hobbyists. This is a video game that we're talking about, like a triple a, you know, tw- near 20 year old video game that they're putting out, you know, so they have, they obviously have high standards that they need to meet. And if they can't meet those standards, then they're not going to be able to do it. And they did figure out a way to do it. So, you know, I tip my hat to them. But yeah, it, it, uh, hopefully it's just a matter of, you know, whoever it is, whether it's the new actor, and I apologize, I don't remember his name, or, or Metzen, it's just a scheduling issue, and it's not, uh, you know, this, hopefully it's not, this isn't dominus in any way, that the fact that they haven't voiced Thrall yet means something going forward. I think it does. There are a lot of people who are voiced. Sylvanas is unvoiced at the moment in 9.1, um, because they obviously haven't been able to get Patty Nelson into the, to the, uh, the studio yet. Yeah. Um, so like so the cinematic that is in game at the moment with her, is quite jarring because she's the only one who's not voiced. Um, <laughs> but she's so she's so iconic that you kind of hear it anyway. Yes. <laughs> you see the text at the bottom and you're like, you can literally hear the kind of sardonic fur, uh, you know, that, that's probably in there. I'm I'm angry with Patty Matson because she is such a good Sylvanas. That's why I don't want Sylvanas to die. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I need Patty Matson as Sylvanas sticking around. If not for that, I'd be fine if they, whatever the f- character's fate would be. But it's like, Honestly, no. What, what I want to see is a completely redeemed Sylvanas who ends up as the Ranger General again, just to see if Patty Madsen has the range to play a non rage filled evil Sylvanas. You know, I would love to see if she can just voice a normal, high elf, well adjusted Sylvanas. That. I don't think you'll ever have a well-adjusted Sylvanas. She's been through too much. Well, yeah, but depends on what they do. Depends on what, yeah, it's entirely possible there's a fragment of her soul out there somewhere. Thanks to the, We're the, just going to beat the, memory. we're going to beat the bad memories out of her. That's the raid. Or beat the good memories into her. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have to think, <laughs> I don't know. I have to think like at the end of all this, like she, she, I feel like Revendreth is like the most logical place for her. Like just, just send her there and then they can work on, you know, taking care of her there. I think, I, I, I mean, okay. cause I mean, if she, if she dies, she's not, I guess that's, if she dies, she's still technically immortal because she, her soul was put back into the body that if she dies, she would go back to the Shadowlands. Maul, which is where she already is. Right. Well, I'm assuming that by the time we get all this squared away, like the mall won't be a big deal. But I don't know. I could see her dying, and then like whatever soul is left is being like sent off. Okay, you know, go to, go to Revendreth. You know, you, you can be the new battery, and, and Garrosh is free to go, or something like that. There are so many ways they could go with it, honestly. And what I kind of love is that none of them would surprise me at this point. Like. I could I could honestly sit here and come up with five different scenarios that I think are plausible for what will happen to Sylvanas. And there will be people out there going, you're crazy and you're wrong about at least three of them. But like, <laughs> I would be convinced by at least five different scenarios at this point. Well, you know, it's great. It's great they've left themselves these options, you know. The the problem is that you've got, when you look at sort of the, the Gromash redemption in Warlords of Draenor, like that set the bar very low. <laughs> and so <laughs> as a result of that, it leaves a wide open 
you know, chance of possibility as far as what they could do, because I mean, we could get a, you know, and we will never be slaves to the, the jailer kind of moment, or we could, you know, get some, you know, whatever, what I hope, you know, some sort of well nuanced resolution to the character. I mean, there's, 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 there's a broad possibility here. So it, it's, of course, whatever we do get, I mean, obviously we don't know when exactly this raid is going to come out. Yes. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that it's going to be before the Sylvanas novel comes out. That's... Yeah, which means that whatever we see in game, and whatever conclusion we think there is, and whatever conclusion people are getting outraged about at that time, still isn't final until we read that book and see what Christy Golden has to say about it all. Not even just what I mean. Don't get me wrong; Christy Golden will do great, but just look at what they did for Illidan with the Illidan book, and mm-hmm. there they had to pick up a fragmented story and weave it together into a way that they could sort of justify everything Illidan did. And they did, they did a masterful job with that here. We've only been getting parts of Sylvanas' story intentionally. They've intentionally been keeping us in the dark and they know what they're doing on the other side. So this will, you know, for, you know, the, the, for the way that they took the fragments and put it together, this here is, this was designed to be fragments from the beginning. So it is going to weave together flawlessly. I have no doubt. I am still, I was about to say supremely confident. I'm still pretty confident that we're going to find out that we did not get the picture that we think we got in Edge of Night. Mm. I I do yeah. not think for a second that Sylvanas ever jumped off ICC. I don't think it happened. You think she was I, pushed? No. <laughs> no I, 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 when, when, you, when you read Edge of Night, before she gets anywhere near jumping off that tower, she is pulled into these... I don't I think what the phrase they use in the, in the, the short story is... But they don't say memories, but it's basically a memory, right? And she finds herself, you know, looking at herself in a mirror as the Ranger General still. And she says that it feels real. She can feel the warmth. She can feel the air on her face. It's, you know, she can feel it. And then it's like she shakes it off. And then she's in another memory. And it's like she shakes it off. And then she jumps. What's to say she ever shook it off? What's to say she ever actually jumped? What's to say she wasn't in a memory the whole damn time? We know that in this expansion, memories are a thing. They're a massive thing. We start off with the Rune Carver's memories, but we know that there are other ones coming. Um, there is a memory of the Wrathgate that's been data mined. Now, the Rune Carver sure as hell wasn't there. So that's going to be somebody else's memory. So this thing of, of pulling people's memories and doing things with them is clearly something the jailer can do. And I, I, I'm pretty sure as well. Wasn't there a memory of the Ranger General or something like that that was data mined? There might and have been. And then as well, there's the the thing that Blizzard said about the fight with Sylvanas that they said this will encapsulate all eras of Sylvanas. It will incorporate the Banshee. It will incorporate the Ranger General. They've said that. I just yes. there is something going on with that, and I'm not sure she ever actually jumped. Which means the whole thing about the the Ilganoth whisper about her third death. I'm not convinced Sylvanas has had her third death because I'm not convinced she died at ICC. And since we know that Frostmourne seems to fragment souls, that yeah. was after Arthas died, Frostmourne was destroyed. Who's to say those mm-hmm. souls didn't get funneled into the Maw somehow? Yeah, and then there's the fact as well that we know that there are still souls in Frostmourne or in, in the Blade. Like, we have... There was an assumption for a while, I think, that the souls from Frostmourne escaped when the Blade was shattered. Mm. But that, that's not true because in, in on the PTR now in nine point one, we have to go into a wing of Torgas, which is called the Ossuary of the. I want to say the Ossuary of the Damned. I've got it in my notes here. Hang on. 
Um, yeah, the Oss Ossery of the Banished, that's it, right, which is a new wing of Torghast in a scenario where we have to go inside the soul chamber and get the souls that were in Frostmourne. Well, we have, specifically, we get Uther's, right, the fragment of Uther's soul. And there are a whole bunch of others that we see in there that are not named but described. And I think people have probably seen this all over Twitter. One of them's the Golden King, which is going to be Anastarian. Um, one of them's the some, the Archmage, uh, I think it's advisor or mentor or something like that, that's Antonidas. And that there's a whole bunch of the Betrayed Father, which is probably Tyrannus, mm -hmm. you know. That's and, what I was going to say. And there are other chambers, there are other rooms in there that we haven't seen. There are also a bunch of souls that are just called things like Forgotten Victim, right? It's entirely possible, and I would say even probable, part of Sylvanas' soul is in there too. The problem... The problem with Frostmourne is that as much as it's like, oh, it's like the, the, the rune carver's, you know, like, like biggest work or whatever, you know, because it was, you know, so prominent and sent to Azeroth. It seems like he did a crappy job because it seems to be like splitting souls, not even splitting, but just fragmenting souls left and right. Because how many times have we had to fight like fragment of Arthas's soul? I think we did it like once in Wrath at some point. Then we then we go into the blades. If you're a Death Knight, when you do the blades of the Fallen Prince, and you see a little bit of Nerzul and a little bit of Arthas there, you've got to clear that out again. Like it's it's and Gavin like, Rad as well. I think Gavin Rad's in there too. Yeah. yeah. It's like we, we like to think of our souls as like this one cohesive thing, and it's more like it's like a blob of jelly that's just leaving little bits of it behind as we go along, and then those those little soul blobs can can cause their own messes. And so, I mean, we saw, you know, Uther. We very clearly saw Uther split in two, but even then, like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, like, little fragments of Uther elsewhere that, you know, you get stuck in your boot, you got to clean off. It's a bit messy. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think it's... um it's definitely a design flaw. I mean, what, what's the phrase? Frostmourne hungers? Yes. Because instead of sending stuff to them more, it was just keeping them for a snack for later or something. Mm. Like it, it's nom nom nomming on them and just getting crumbs <laughs> everywhere. A <laughs> few <laughs> fried anastasia. Taking little bits. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that, that storyline is really interesting, actually, on, on the PTR at the moment and obviously upcoming in 9.1, um, where we finally do something about Uther. You know, it was the, the first Afterlives scenario we got wasn't it, it was uh the bastion afterlives short and you know so it was basically the start of shadowlands for us apart from you know the sylvanas breaking the helm cinematic well, and and we're going to get a resolution to that which is great the one question that i have going back to that cinematic is like they they, they shouldn't say they introduced but they they directly show arthas i mean arthas is is I mean, he's, he's a very minor role in that cinematic, but he's, you know, he's very important to that cinematic the way, you know, because he's Uther's whole motivation. He's the reason that Uther's messed up to begin with. And I have to feel like a little bit of like a Chekhov's gun kind of thing here. Like you don't show Arthas in the intro cinematic there if you're not going to have him pay off later. Now, there's no sign of Arthas yet. I mean, you, met, you mentioned Ternus. Arthas is dead. Uh oh. Okay. You're making a motion. What, what about, what don't hey. I know? There, yeah, Arthas is there. You, you, you see Arthas on the PTR. Oh, um, man. <laughs> it's, in flash, it's in flashback, but for me, it's enough to pay off the Chekhov's gun. Mm -hmm. um, so, so what happens with this storyline, essentially, is that you... Um, so, but yeah, so, so what happens with this storyline? I'm just going to have a look at my notes to make sure I don't miss any of it, because I don't want to miss something crucial. Um, but, so basically, you get sent to, to find the missing part of Uther's soul, because the, the guys in Bastion have have come to the conclusion that he can't be whole without it. 
So they send us in, we do the thing I just mentioned a minute ago, the tour gas scenario. And then what happens is we go into Uther's memories using the, uh, you know, the soul mirrors in Bastion. So we go into one of those with Uther. And the first memory that we go into is of his, uh, his when he became a paladin. Um, and you get to see him sort of taking his vows as a paladin. Um, and then from that, it kind of bleeds into another scenario where he's sparring with Arthas. And this is where Arthas told him, and I, I think it's even his lines that are in the Arthas novel, um, where Arthas is having misgivings and thinking that he's not worthy to, to wield the light. And Uther basically said, shut up and spar with me instead. You know, he didn't, he didn't talk to him. He didn't try and help him. He didn't try and see things from where he was coming from. He just sort of pushed him along this path. Um, and you can see Uther feels tremendous guilt about that at this point. You know, he thinks maybe if I'd actually listened to Arthas at the time and tried to help him, maybe I wouldn't have pushed him along the path into being a paladin. And maybe he never would have ended up being there for the culling. Maybe he never would have ended up with Frostmourne. You know, and he, he doesn't spell it all out line by line, but that's essentially where he's going with his his train of thought. Um, the last, you then have a little memory where it is the culling of Strathholm, and he's there. And you're basically going around um, sort of killing the, the zombies and trying to rescue the citizens and trying to, to cleanse the grain. And I think what that's supposed to be showing us is that Uther's way wouldn't have worked. You know, if he'd gone in and tried to, to take care of Strathholm rather than culling the population, he realises now that it wouldn't have been easy and it might not have worked. Um, and that actually, for me, is quite, quite important because that's Blizzard kind of putting their foot down. You know, the community has had this thing for years, haven't they, of, was Arthur's right or wrong in calling Strathall? And I think this is Blizzard telling us that at the very least, Uther now thinks Arthur's might have been right about that. Um, and then the last one that you go into, the last uh, little scenario, the last memory scenario of Uther's, is his final showdown at Anderhall with Arthur's. Um, and you and you fight Arthur's, and Arthur's kills you. And, and that's the end of the scenario. Unless you get a bugged instance like I did. <laughs> uh, where actually you are capable of killing Arthas and getting locked in the instance and uh, having to abandon the quest and restart, which is what happened to me. I've got some lovely screenshots on Twitter of me uh, me as Uther squatting on Arthas' corpse. Um, but but yeah, what actually happens is Arthas kills you. Um, and the whole time you've got a voiceover conversation between uh, Uther and Polmar Padrestes, um, basically discussing what's going on and, and the memories that he's having and what they're doing to him and what the impact of them is. And Uther essentially blames himself. And he says that one of the main tenets of being a paladin is compassion. And he didn't show that to Arthas ever. And if he had, maybe things would have turned out differently. And at the end of that, Uther's soul is essentially whole. Um, and, and we have basically healed him. And that is through him com confronting his memories of Arthas. And then at that point, it sounds like if he were still allowed to be a Kyrian, he might have conquered whatever self issues he had that he's ready to properly ascend yeah. instead of getting you know shoehorned through the process by uh well and then and then the, the big thing is that this happens in a story chapter titled a new path yes and and what actually happens here is that the the Kyrian admit that they were wrong and that robbing people of their memories isn't the way to go and so what they do is they say that from now on all aspirants will have a choice to lose their memories or not lose their memories and what they do is they rededicate the Temple of Loyalty and they call it the Temple of Devotion instead. Um, and basically what they say there is that the Forsworn are going to live there now and the Forsworn are back in the fold. 
and there, there's a whole thing and basically the um the Tyrion are whole again as a faction which is nice um and the the end of that chapter as it stands at the moment on the ptr is you go to the spires of ascension and they create a new sigil for the archon and they rededicate this temple and they name uh Hallmark Adrestes as the paragon of devotion for this new temple. So yeah, so we, we do get a resolution to a lot of different things in that in that particular storyline. Now is that quest, is that everybody gets that quest or is that specifically a Kyrian nope. there's no there's no individual class paths at this point. Everybody's on the same at the moment, yeah, you can't get past 40 renown at the moment. You um you will even if you get a quest that gives you an emblem of renown you're stuck at forty, oh. even though you've got even though you've got the path there. Like when you go and talk to the um the renown keeper or whatever they're called, yeah, keeper of renown, isn't it? When you go and talk to them, you can see the path going forward from forty to eighty, um, but it doesn't move, or at least it didn't for me. It might be bugged. Wait, eighty? Um, the new cap is eighty. <laughs> on, on yeah, on the PTR. Oh the moment, wow. It goes to 80. And so it you said sense. we had 40 in 9.0, another 40 in 9.1. That's true. That's true. And now, so these story chapters, they are currently then you can get, you get them at a lower renowned rank than 40. Yeah. The, the story chapters are just story chapters. They're not renowned tied. These people oh. keep referring to this as covenant campaigns. It's not. Oh, okay. It's the 9.1 campaign. Oh, so that's just completely that each, separate. It's just that, yeah, it's just that each chapter revolves around a covenant. And they give and they give you renown at the end, but that applies to yeah, the, yeah. the yeah, but, but on PTR at the moment, they oh, don't do anything. Good, good, so it good. doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've got no idea what's going to happen in the individual covenant campaigns because we don't see them. Oh man, yes. Anyway. Well, I, I, I mean, from what you're telling me, it almost I, I almost sounds like we don't need them because I mean, the the Uther drop enough. Like that sounds like a nice resolution for. Uh, that sounds like a nice resolution for what we're going to see just, there. And uh, what I can't help but wonder about though is what that means for the covenant campaigns because they are going to exist they still have covenant campaigns we know that that's how we unlock the new mounts um also you can see it when you go in and look at that, that the, the, the between renown you can see that there are new um chapters but they aren't titled oh man so you, you get like renown 42 chapter next chapter of the campaign renown 47 next chapter of the campaign um, so they just haven't put them into the game yet, but there are going to be further chapters. And that makes me think that that's going to be something we get post 9.1 campaign. Oh, you know, wow. the same way that we, you know, the way that we got the original Covenant campaign after the 9.0 campaign. So it makes me think that it's going to be whatever the new conflict is. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, what could they give us after? They <laughs> 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 after you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about Uther getting, uh, you know, you're talking about like Uther kind of, you know, like the, the like the main points of the Bastion story seem to be like they 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 kick Maldraxxus out. They've they've you know they defeated the 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 warring faction, united the the you know the survivors. Now, like most of what was a problem in Bastion seems to be resolved, and I suppose it's entirely possible, especially too if if you know the raid is going to sh you know shake everything up as much as it is. I suppose it's entirely possible we could have a whole new set of problems for each of the covenants coming in. Uh, in nine nine point one after after this uh, after the raid, but geez. Well, I mean, if I had to make a prediction on what it's going to be, I, what what I'll say is that when you work your way through this nine point one campaign, the emphasis is when you're in the moor, the emphasis seems to be on unity. The emphasis is on the fact that all of the covenants are there. They're working together. They're a well-oiled machine, and they are out to get the jailer. Right. When you are in the individual areas, doing the stuff in Bastion and the stuff in Revendreth and the stuff in Ardenweald. 
what you're doing there is essentially tying a bow on the first covenant campaigns. You're essentially helping to make each area whole so that they can focus their efforts on the more. Now, there is no mention in that in that storyline at the moment of the raid or of whatever we're going there to do, why we're going there, what's mm. happening, you know. Um, there's there's no mention of it. And I have to think that the Covenant campaigns are going to be what gets there. All right. So one one last thing that I want to bring up here um, before before we, we, we wrap up. And we kind of alluded this to this earlier. Um, but we do have confirmation now that the Primus is the Rune Carver, or the Rune Carver is the Primus. And so, yep. so, so how did that all shake out? So, the thing with that is that um, it's not so much like the people who were saying that the the reason the Primus couldn't be the Rune Carver was the wrong number of fingers and all this kind of stuff. They sort of had a point in that the actual Primus doesn't look a hell of a lot like the Rune Carver. You know, he doesn't. And the reason for that is that it's essentially like a magical transformation. Um, similar to, you know, when you see a Dreadlord turn into somebody, for example. So he is disguised as the Rune Carver. It's not like something that we should have been able to see coming by looking at the models. Um, so what, what basically happens is when we uh, when we get to Corthia, um and we find out about, well, okay, so, so I'm, I'm kind of being disjointed here, but the reason for that is... <laughs> That we get there because of the reveal about the dreadlords, um, which is that there are there are dreadlords in Corthia and there are dreadlords in Revendra, and it's kind of a big deal. And everywhere, um, yeah, <laughs> everywhere. And I, mean, I, I wholly expect that they're going to turn out to be everywhere else as well. Um, but as part of that, you end up being sent around Corthia to look for hints as to where one of the sigils might be hidden, which is the Primus's sigil. Um, we go into the heart of Corthia, into a place called the Great Vault, where we fight a dude called the Collector. And he is a Morsworn who's been sent to get the sigil for the Jailer. Um, we win, and we go and see the Rune Carver to, to kind of see if the Rune Carver can, can do something with his sigil, because, you know, the Rune Carver does stuff with memories, and the Rune Carver is good at that kind of magic. And it's all a bit wishy washy. And we go in there, and the Rune Carver just turns into the Primus the second he sees the sigil. <laughs> So we don't even realize what we're doing. We're just like, hey, we found this awesome thing. Can you do something with this? And then yeah. like, boom. Easy. Yeah. We, we don't know that the Rune Carver is the Primus. We go in to show him this shiny thing and he turns into the Primus. Um, that's essentially what, how it happens. So, um, so what, what, what then happens though is there is then an epic showdown in the Rune Carver's oubliette um, where the Jailer turns up with a bunch of Morsworn to take the sigil back. And there is a massive standoff and a massive fight we kill all the Morsworn. It looks like we've won. Um, and then Anduin turns up. Yeah. <laughs> Anduin speaks with the voice of the Jailer and says, you once bound me with domination magic. That is now a weapon that answers to me. And he then reses, like full-on BFA cinematic, you know. <laughs> he he reses all of the Morsworn that we've just killed. There's then a cut scene that we don't get to see, and the jailer runs away with the sigil. <laughs> so wait, is the Primus still around then, or is yeah, he... the Primus is still there with us. The Primus is there, like ah, oh, gosh, dang it, we lost the sigil. So, so we just get the sigil long enough to restore the Primus, and then the jailer gets it back. Absolutely. Oh um, man. But we do, we do then establish in a later chapter in the Kyrian chapter that it is possible to create a new sigil. So, but what it needs, or at least in Bastion, what it needed was to have all of the Paragons together. 
which is why it was important to get the forsworn on side right. and rededicate that temple so that we had a paragon in there. Um, and I, I can only imagine that there's going to be some similar issue in Maldraxxus where hang on a minute, you need all your margraves. Yeah. No, that's going to uh, be... To be on the same page. It's going to be tough. Oh, and uh, well, while we're on that as well, we do actually kill Baron Varaz. So oh, good, good. I, I, I wanted to know that he gets dealt with at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, while we're dropping spoilers... We get to deal with two of my least favorite characters from Maldraxxus in one patch, and I'm happy. Who's the other one? Kel'Thuzad. Oh. Of course, yeah, he's, uh, he's going to be in the raid, isn't he? he? Yes, yes. Well, that's what I thought. I thought they were set a virus to be a raid boss. So I, but it makes sense that they'd get him in like one of the yeah. The no, chapters. Virus is out of death. Yeah, he um, we get him in Hell's Domain, which is called Hellguard Keep, in the Desmeteran area of the Moor, which I think is either blocked off or like very difficult to access at the moment on live. Um, and yeah, that it's a really cool place actually, especially if you like your Norse mythology. There's a lot of references in there. Um, but yeah, you, you go in there and Hell. Uh, empowers Viraz to fight us and it doesn't work because there's a Thrall and Draca and yeah, it doesn't end well for him at all. Oh, so th- that makes sense. That'd be the same chapter <laughs> where Thrall and Draca finally meet. Yep. So, okay. Uh, that's the Maldraxxus yes. focused chapter, which actually doesn't take place in Maldraxxus at all. It's all in the more. Um, and what that is, is Maldraxxus sending their army to uh, to take care of Viraz. So, overall, then, how many? There's a, so there's a Maldraxxus chapter, there's a Bastion chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the oh, got, the, the, the night wa- the night warrior would be the uh, the Ardenweald chapter. I'm guessing. So what? I guess the dreadlords being revealed in Revendreth. That's the Revendreth chapter. Yeah. So what what you have is you have the Battle of Ardenweald as chapter one, which is uh, the jailer taking the Winter Queen's sigil. Um, you then have chapter two is called More Walkers, which is where you unlock the ability to uh, mount in the moor. It's also where you open the pathway to allow everybody else to go into the moor. So that's where all the Covenant people and Bolvar and the Death Knights all storm the moor. They, they couldn't just jump through Oribos? <laughs> well, they, they, could, but if they, they could, but if they did, they wouldn't be able to get back out without us holding a hand. Oh, that's true. That was, that was the issue. So we would have had to literally hold hands with everybody who wanted to go back through for a Wii or anything like that. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen Wii or the that world. Would be we can an do that. awesome conga line. Wouldn't it just? Yeah. Uh, maybe the new Eye of the Jailer debuff. You know, one of your soldiers need to pee. Get back to the, uh, <laughs> get back to the waste zone. Um, so then chapter three is the last sigil, which is where we spend it trekking around Corthia trying to find the Primus's sigil. And that ends us with, with us finding the Primus and losing the sigil. Um, you then have an army of bone and steel, which is, right, the Primus is back and he wants things done. So he orders the, the Maldraxxus people to go and kill Byrats, which is why you end up in the moor. Um, and that's where you get all of the lovely Thrall and Draca reunion. Um, you then have the Unseen Guests, which is the Revendreth. Um, and that is exactly what it sounds like dreadlords everywhere um there's a really cool moment at the start of that actually where you um you go to speak to uh vash baroness vash and when you go up to her she has a question of a mark over her head and she says whatever your name is quick we have to stop the primus he can't be trusted and then she dies because she's a dreadlord and the real Baroness Vosh is behind you. Holy <laughs> sh- <laughs> it's, really cool. it's, it's a proper action movie type thing. Oh, um, man. And that's the lead-in to Vosh taking you to Revendreth to meet Kael'thas, 
and you then go around Revendreth with the two of them finding hidden dreadlords. Oh, that is badass. It's really That's cool. That is, so I, oh, that is. Oh, now I just want like the rest of the expansion to just have like Bar- uh, Vash and Kalthos, just like like Dreadlord cops, just like running around. Oh, yeah, oh. Some of the interplay between them is fantastic. Oh. You get um, everyone. Basically, you've got Vash trying to convince Kalthos to come to Maldraxxus and be a warrior and help her. You've got all of the people in Revendreth basically saying to Vash. You need to get out of here because if you stay much longer, you're going to get a sinstone, and we're not going to let you leave. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely spectacular. And then on top of that, there's a lot of stuff that comes out there. You have um, you have mention of the fact that a Naru can manifest a sinstone if they're in Revendra. Um, and someone tells, I think it's the it's either the stone. Wait, hold on, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, either the stone right or the accuser. Which, but one of all the vampires kind of blend into one for me. I'm sorry, but one of them says, Next time you go and talk to the Naru, and they're talking about Zarali when they say this, you should warn them that if they stay here much longer, they're going to get a sinstone. Um, and that, oh. that's an interesting one. Wow, and we don't ever get a chance to pass that on, or at least not yet. Um, so that, that's another thing that could potentially be a, a plot point going forward is what is going to happen to Zarali. Because I remember there was mention in 9.0 of Zorali saying that she couldn't go back to the light because they wouldn't accept her. Um, and I'm, I'm using she pronouns for the Nora, and I'm not sure whether that's accurate or not, but you, you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, so that's a thing, is that Zorali potentially could have a sinstone soon. Um, there's also a piece of what I think is placeholder tech, uh, because at the end of this Revendreth chapter, um, we find Malganus, who is disguised as a dredger. Um, and when we fight Marganus, one of the things that comes out of this is that um, is the background to Dreadlords and the fact that they are they were created by Denathrius, um, and they were created by Denathrius after the Venthyr, after the first Venthyr were. Um, they were they were his spies and infiltrators, and they were sent to infiltrate everywhere. And as part of that, they infiltrated the Light and did a terrible job of it and got caught. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, so the light retaliated, which is why there was an attack on the Ember, the Ember Ward, which we're aware of, but we didn't know why, and that's why. Um, in response to that attack, Maldraxxus refused to help Revendra, basically saying that Revendra had brought it on themselves, and you, you tank it, you spank it, kind of thing. Um, so, from there, the Stone Right carved the first Stoneborn, the, the Gargoyle dudes, um, to fight against the Naru. And as a result of that, most of these Stoneborn got killed by Naru. And the Stone Right was not particularly pleased and basically started a war with the uh, Nathrezim, with the Dreadlords. So to try and stop all of that, Denathrius, and I'm using massive air quotes here for people on Twitch, Denathrius exiled the Dreadlords to what we now know as Nathreza. In the fight with Marganus, um, Renethal basically calls him brother and says, look, dude, what are you doing? You can come back. You know, we can end your exile, stop this rubbish and, and come and be one of us again, you know? And Malganus says, exile? Really? You really think I was exiled? <laughs> and that's basically as far as he gets before <laughs> the end of the fight. Huh. Um, so it's fairly obvious that he wasn't exiled and this was all just part of Denathrius' master plan. Um, but it's nice to get it confirmed in-game. Um, and at the end of that, what happens is we get some pop-up text um, which is there, I assume, to replace a, a scene that we don't have in-game. And what that text says is, 
Thank you for playing Valiant Champion. As Morganus is defeated, he reveals his plan. This was all a distraction. While you've been fighting him, the other Nathuzin went after their true target. The only master they ever truly served, Fire Denathrius. Oh, and Morganus gets away. Maybe. <laughs> So everybody who's been clamoring for like, oh, we need to lose. We know, I know, like they're saying, like we need to lose at the end of an expansion. Like this is this sounds like we do a very good job in nine point one of suffering a bunch of losses. Like we lose the sigil uh, to Anduin. It sounds like Denathrius gets away, um, which isn't a surprise because uh, again, if you watch that voice actors panel, they talked about how much they loved Denathrius and they can't oh, wait to use him. him. Around, yeah. yeah. So I mean, so that sounds awesome. Uh, but then Melganis even gets away. Like we we do a good job of of you know snatching defeat from the jaws of victory repeatedly throughout this. <laughs> and then after that, you get um, a zoom in on so this sort of yeah this failed the cutscene that doesn't really exist. The camera pans around as if it's showing you a cinematic, and you get this text rolling down the screen like at the start of a Star Wars movie, right? Um, but then in the background, you can see Zerali, you know, in the position she was in guarding the 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 blade, Ramonia, um, and a little text bubble pops up above her. And it just says, well, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, if I, I can only assume that's placeholder text. That, that really kind of needs to, that kind of needs to stay. <laughs> so the one question. Revendreth I, is corrupting the, the Naru. Yeah, it is. Well, that's fascinating because i mean we we've seen like what like a voidish naru i mean they have their void state that they go into so we know that that's a common thing but like to see a naru then like influenced by death like a death naru what can that ultimately do that's really interesting to see if that is a thing wouldn't it because actually it's kind of like the dreadlords you know we, we've seen the fell dreadlords we've seen a light infused dreadlord we've now seen a dreadlord in its natural state but we always assumed at one point that the fell dreadlord was its natural state. And with the Naru, we've kind of always assumed that the light is their state and that they can become void under certain circumstances. Maybe they can become whatever the hell they need to become under certain circumstances. Maybe a fell Naru is a thing that could potentially happen. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that I believe it, well, but it's possible. I mean, I, I, I mean, we've seen, I, Oh no, you're going to say Sarith. I was going to say, and even, but even with like other, aspects of the cosmology chart we've seen it like sargeras becoming infused with fell i'm yeah. wondering if every cosmology those beings can be quote unquote corrupted by the other forces and what's take to say on that those aspects what's to say that the eternal ones aren't essentially titans that have been influenced by death yes that's why i thought anr was winter queen's sister I mean, it could be another sister. We don't know that she hasn't got more than one. You know, that's true. They could both. They could all be one big wacky family. Yeah, at the end of the expansion, very maybe dysfunctional. Maybe the end line of the expansion is going to be the Winter Queen turning around and going, "Oh, by the way, my brother's sword is still sticking out of Azeroth, and I want it back." <laughs> <laughs> no, the end of the expansion will be these are all my brothers and sisters. Daddy's coming, and they're like, "What the?" <laughs> So they the do like the Nathrius out of the sword. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's a camp close shot of saying, crawl to me. <laughs> so, the one, so the one thought I have lingering out there after all, all that you said, I mean, there's plenty of thoughts lingering out there, but the one like, main one is uh, because in, that, in the, pre the preface 
uh, book that you find in the Tower of the Unseen Guests. Uh, it references that there's a spy in the in in the House of the Light or, or whatever, and we're like, oh, okay, that that must be Lathraxion. But so we're like, oh no, so Lathraxion's really bad. But it sounds like if they got caught, did they actually catch and pure Lathraxion so that Lathraxion is now legitimately with them? Here's what I think, and I could be wrong, but I get the impression that for all of this to be accurate, it all had to happen well before the Dreadlords went to Nathraza. Nathreza, right? The Dreadlords went to mm. Nathreza a very, very long time ago, which I know the Shadowlands and time and all that, but we're talking about time in, in our world, really, when we, when we try and calculate all this, right? And I think that it must be the case that the invasion of the light, the infiltration of the light that was unsuccessful was a long time before Lathraxia. That's my guess. So I think that whoever originally tried to infiltrate the light probably got their asses kicked and Lothraxian is a more recent convert. That would be my guess. However, the Army of the Light have been fighting for a very long time, and Lothraxian's been around a very long time. It's really hard to figure out, and I think that's deliberate. I think Blizzard wants us to be looking at Lothraxian and going, well, now we're not sure about you, dude. He's a Dreadlord. We never should have been sure about him. I think the, the most re- <laughs> reassuring thing we had is that Turalyon believed him, and Turalyon bought well, into yeah, him. Yeah, Alaria never trusted him. Yeah. And actually, if you think about that, one of the things in the preface book, the enemy infiltration preface, is the fact that they think, well, the Void might be able to be onto us because they see a thousand different possibilities and we should be careful of the Void, right? So the fact that Illyria is suspicious of Lothraxian would back that up. It's also mm. it's also just funny that the light, like the whole thing that the light does is it, you know, it, it illuminates. <laughs> it discovers the truth. That's like their one job is to just, you know, like shine light up on something until you know exactly what it is and then it kind of becomes static in that regard because you've locked it into what it can be and it's like of course they got infiltrated <laughs> of course they figured that out because that's what they do also the the idea that um again from the preface thing the, the idea that you know all you need to do is tell them they've converted someone and they'll believe that kind of by that as well that seems very very on brand for the light yes you know Let's high on its own supply. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And and the light only believes it's one truth, and we already have seen that that truth doesn't have to become. Mm. We saw that with Illidan. Right. Yeah. Much to yeah. Zero's demise. That, there's another thing as well. Is Zero in the Shadowlands somewhere? Ooh. That's a... I doubt it. No, I doubt yeah. it too. Possible. She would go to the light realm, I would think. Wouldn't? Yeah. Is that, isn't that kind of what they said? Because because uh, um, we haven't seen any sign of Bride and Brad in the Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. And I think that then I think the reason for that is because the light took him. Like there's a separate light, whatever you know, the, the realm of light. I think that's where light things go in their sort of afterlife. Wouldn't you think that Uther would have gone there? Though? No, because Uther was just a was regular mortal. mortal. And technically Bride and Brad was too, but like the fact the Naru directly intervened in that. They directly intervened and they they cut him off. I think technically Bride and Brad would have gone wherever if, you know, uh Adal hadn't been there and then you figure the Kyrian would have shown up and just taken him and thrown him yeah. into uh but I kinda of wonder I kinda of wonder where the line is, where the threshold is for things like that, because you know, um, a lot of people put a lot of stock in the fact that in the Afterlife Bastion cinematic, the short, um, you know, Uther prayed to the light. 
and instead of his whole soul going into Frostmourne, part of him went to Bastion. And a lot of people I, put stock in the fact that the light may have been involved in that, right? I think you can kind of discount that a little bit now, though, knowing about the the room in Torghast with all the fragments. Yes and no, because we know that the Mournblade does that to people. We don't know how much of their soul it takes. Like Antonidas, where's the rest of him? The light, the light wasn't involved in what happened with him. Did his entire soul go into the Mournblade, in which case the light must have had some intervention with Uther? Or did only part of his soul go into the Mournblade, in which case, where the hell is the rest of him? Oh. I, I'd like to see one more victim of Uther somewhere in the Shadowlands. Oh. Uh, oh, sorry, of Arthas. The one thing about Uther, and again, this kind of even goes back to the whole, like, the Arbiter being infallible, and the Arbiter knows what it's always doing, and clearly the Arbiter, like, did the Arbiter know or not that Uther was a, a, a fragment when it sent it? And I, I'm kind of on board with the, the theory that it did, insofar as Uther being there leads directly to the formation of the Forsworn, and, like... Like, I think, like, Uther was sent there to fix the Kyrian. And everything that we went through as far as the, the Kyrian Civil War and whatnot, ultimately the fact, like you said, like, it, it gets wrapped up and, like, you know, they get a new, a new you know, they, they swap loyalty for devotion and whatnot. And now the four, they have a new faction and they're changing their path. That's all because Uther was sent there. Like, he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't sent there because he belonged there necessarily. He was sent there to shake things up and to, to cause trouble and, and whatnot. And so I almost wonder if maybe the light wasn't factored in that way that like, oh no, like we, we have to intervene here and we're going to send Uther over here because we know this is going to mess this, this, this situation up, but it's going to lead to a better outcome after we get through all this. That then gets us into a discussion potentially though, of um, whether Sylvanas is right and wrong in general, because do we all have a choice about what we do or is it all predetermined? If, if, because what you're saying there kind of runs into the lines of it being predetermined into the idea that the arbiter knew what was going to happen and sent him there for a reason. Um, if that's the case, then we're all just pawns on a chessboard. Sylvanas is right, and we should knock the whole board off the table. Equally, it's possible that the arbiter didn't know what they were doing, and I think that's more interesting because that shows agency. That shows us and Uther and everybody else having to, you know, fix things as opposed to it being predetermined. I guess it's like, do you like to look at the Warcraft Cosmos as like a five-year-old? We're like, oh no, the adults know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. Everything they do is for a reason. Or do you like to look at it as like another adult? We're like, nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> this is all chaos. I'm making it up as they go along. <laughs> exactly. And also, you, you've got to think about whether you know this whole thing of the the Moorwalker makes a difference. Are things going to be different if we're there? If we're not there, presumably they'd be very different if we weren't there. You know, in which case. Does it matter where they send Uther if we're going to fix things anyway? That's true. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, but then again, we're not just a more walker, Nick. We're the true more walker now. But you know, too though. I mean, the whole problem is like Uther gets Uther gets sent there, and at that point, Arthas has already been unleashed in the world. So we know that the jailer's plans are in motion, and it could be that the arbiter knew that the jailer needed to be countered, and that's just part of the arbiter. Arbiter's plan to, to count the jail. Like, okay, like I got to move this Uther piece. He's got to come off of Azeroth. He's got to go to, he's got to go to Bastion now and start filling his role over there. And yeah, maybe, they, maybe they're playing like 5D chess or something, or they're not. <laughs> well, they think they are and they're not. Exactly. I, the fact that the raid is going to end in Ouroboros, or at least it's going to go to Ouroboros at some point, that is almost mind blowing to me. Like, the possibilities for where we end up after this are huge. You know, is it going to be the thing that a lot of people predicted of the, the Arbiter's chest ball going into the jailer and that somehow resetting something? 
or is it going to be you know is i mean Torgas being destroyed seems like something that might be on the on the cards from what what's um out there from the raid description from the Sylvanas fight i heard a theory recently that Ouroboros might end up being destroyed by the end of all this which would make a lot of sense as well um you know it doesn't really feel like a hub it does feel like an airport um and actually on the PTR at the moment there's a glitch where whenever you um log in in Ouroboros not happening to everyone, but it's happening to a lot of people. Um, your camera zooms out and out and out and out and out and out until it's a ridiculous distance away from you and takes forever to zoom back in. And it just makes me think about how big Shadowlands is as an expansion. The fact that they've said that there's a reason you can't fly directly from one zone to the other, and it's that it would take about three hours or something. You know, Have they got something planned for the in-between? I feel like they might. Well, the thing, the thing about Oribos, and I've seen some of the screenshots of, uh, like the, the dark arbiters room there. The thing about that, that makes sense is, as you pointed out, like the jailer's collecting the keys or the sigils, I should say, as he's going along. And we know that according to the premise, the arbiter is the final key. And so it would make sense that it has to end there. Or it, well, I shouldn't say it has to end there, but like 9.1, it makes sense to end there. Because one, the fact that we're fighting Sylvanas, not the Jailer yet, it suggests to me that whatever's going to happen, he's going to get that final key that he needs from the Arbiter or use the Arbiter as part of being the final key. Maybe that's where the Lord of Ravens turns the final the key. You know, I mean, there's still a lot of ways this could all come together, but it seems to me like the Jailer is going to be successful at this point. And then 9.2 is going to be us dealing with whatever the next phase of the jailer's plan is and finally going after him. And Sylvanas, I don't want to say she's going to be an afterthought, but she's, she's going to have a, whatever role she's going to have to play going forward. It's going to be very niche. Like we're going to be focused now. Okay. Like the jailer got out, the jailer transformed the shadowlands, whatever the jailer is going to do, he's going to do it. And then 9.2 is going to be cleaning up that mess. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Yeah. Um, but it's what form that takes and where it happens. You know, and again, it seems like a really odd stylistic choice for me for them to put these these areas that we can quest in and play in, you know, to have put them so far physically apart from each other in game is a really weird stylistic choice to have made that probably takes up a hell of a lot of resource as well in game. You know, there was that thing, I don't know if you saw that there were people managing to go on the goblin glider from, um, I think it was from Ardenweald to the moor. <laughs> Yeah, and it took it took nearly forty minutes. Wow. Yeah, because that's how far apart they physically are in game. I still, I still do wonder if something's not going to happen where like they're going to merge them, like you're, 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 like like some so, so, like step that map has to change at some point. Like yeah. it's not like the way it is now is not how it's going to be. But I think so too. But I also think that makes it really difficult to revisit as old content, right? Yeah, like that's... open expansions yeah. now. That's what the. I don't, I don't know if they've ever done that before, have they? But uh, that's what the bronze dragon oh, flight is for. Do you want to go to old Shadowlands or new Shadowlands? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, do you guys have then any any final thoughts, uh, Sarif? Let's start with you. I do have one crackpot theory that I've told Jacoris a bit of, but I I flushed it out a little bit more. So we're talking about the Lord of Ravens. We have got the Raven showing up in or going. Lord of Ravens will turn the key. I think it is Cadgar, but I don't think Cadgar is Cadgar. Cadgar died when Draenor went exploding, and it's been a dreadlord the whole time. And Lord of Ravens will get and turn that last key. Probably not going to happen, but I definitely like that. Only 
The only thing that makes that interesting is the uh, the Cadgar Harbingers, where he straight up faces down a Dread Lord in Karazhan. And then, because uh, they try to tempt him into becoming the new guardian, and then he's like, "No, no, no, we, we're 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 past the point of guardians now. I'm not taking up that mantle. That mantle, that that that's done nothing good for anybody." Um, but it could be though, like given the way that the dreadlords kind of are, it could be that that dreadlord was working for the legion and therefore didn't realize that Cadgar is a a natural dreadlord, and therefore it was a dreadlord on dreadlord battle, and we never knew it. Yeah, Cadgar is in deep cover the whole time. <laughs> um, and you know he can't he can't let the other agent know who he is because it compromises position. It makes sense. Long time. So that that's definitely definitely food to chew on because I mean people were speculating <laughs> for a while. Uh, I want to say around back around warlords that Cadgar might not be Cadgar, and then he kind of stuck the course. And uh, it, yeah, he could. You know what it is because he came back looking all younger. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of feel like if you were a dreadlord, you'd do a better job. Like, if you were a Dreadlord, you'd come back with a long beard, looking like a, an Archmage. Uh, so de- Cadgar definitely could be something up with him. Um, Dracorus, what are your final thoughts on all this uh, all this news? I mean, I'm, I'm fully on the everyone's a Dreadlord train. And, <laughs> and I, I absolutely believe that Blizzard, at some point in this expansion, are going to lean into the Jaina is a Dreadlord meme, and we are going to see Jaina as a Dreadlord. Whether it is that she's been a Dreadlord all along, or whether it's like the thing I mentioned earlier with Baroness Vosh, where for 20 seconds in one quest, there's a Dreadlord disguised as Draenor. I, I think it's happening. I think we are going to see Dreadlord Jaina. Now, my original basis for this was that Malganus and his new model had a pinky purpley color palette. Mm. And Jaina is using Arcane in the new patch a lot more than she usually does, right? And I just thought thematically it kind of pink, purple, well, it seems like the kind of silly thing Blizzard might enjoy teasing us with, right? That doesn't seem to be true because Malganus was just hiding as a dredger in Revendra. But we know he escapes again, so it's entirely possible that he is now wearing a wig, um, humming Daughter of the Sea to himself and hoping nobody's going to notice. That's my final thought. I, I kind of agree with you, but I disagree with you. I think they'll lean into the Jaina as a dreadlord meme by making her like the only one who is not a dreadlord. And we'll be super suspicious of her like the whole time. And it's like everybody else around her will wind up being a dreadlord. And she'll be like, no, it was never me. And then it'll just. Can you, can you imagine Thrall turning into a dreadlord in the middle of Ouroboros and then looking over at Jaina and going, let's get them. And Jaina being like, I'm not a dreadlord. <laughs> Like, what? like even the dreadlords are in on the meme. Wait, that whole time that you were like throwing people off of, off of uh, Dalaran, you weren't a dreadlord then? Nope. <laughs> just evil. I was just angry. Well, I look forward to Thrall being revealed as a dreadlord, but then also Draka being revealed as a dreadlord, and that is actually that dreadlord's mother. That they are actually mother and son reunited. Oh, <laughs> that'd be kind of sweet. And actually, that's why they break their cover because they the mother says. Son. And the the then the one playing thrall is like, it really is my mum. And then they, <laughs> and they just accidentally blow their cover in front of everyone in the middle of Madrak. So yes, yeah, so that that's the big uh, that'll be the big reveal in nine point one in all of this that Draka and Thrall are played by mother son dreadlord tandem. Actually, maybe that's what the thirty year retrospective was. Maybe if we watch it backwards, it's just people that's- saying. Thrall's a dreadlord. Thrall's a dreadlord. Thrall's a dreadlord. Well, they did that because that's the info dump that the dreadlord playing Thrall needed to be able to play that character. Like, okay. <laughs> Get all this maybe, information. Yeah, maybe, they, maybe they planned all this when they thought they were going to have a live BlizzCon with people in attendance. 
and there was going to be like a, a, a live action theater thing where there was someone sitting in the front row in full dreadlord cosplay <laughs> taking notes <laughs> all right well I think that should wrap us up as far as 9.1 spoilers for now. I'm sure there's still more to come. It sounds, I mean, we we didn't didn't even touch the raid. The raid's not even available yet. So there's a ton more info to get about this. Um, And even then there's a bunch of stuff data mined, like uh, some of the loot you can get off of Sylvanas uh, when we defeat her. Um, But obviously we'll have plenty of time to talk about that because we're going to have to play through 9.1 and that's probably going to be here for a while too. Uh, Will we wait for 9.2 then? So (laughs) we've got, Plenty of good stuff to look forward to. I want to thank you guys again uh, for coming on. Uh, where can uh, people find LFR? The uh, the show is at LFR Wowcast on Twitter. Um, and we're on pretty much every podcast provider as well. Um, I'm on at Smiting Titan on Twitter. And uh, Sarif is at Sarif. All right. So thank you guys again for coming on. Thank you to Jarrett for producing and thank you to Kurabara for editing. Thank you everybody we had hanging out in the chat room. I know we had Shantyman Gaming. Uh, He was talking in there and we also had Blazing Bob, Crucifix Argent Dawn, Raffle Vantral, and uh, Talking Robble. Uh, So thank you all for hanging out in the chat room. Uh, thank you also to everybody at home for downloading and listening. Uh, obviously, without you guys, we couldn't have the show. So thank you. We are at Torn Goblin on Twitter. Also at the MASH Network. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MASH Those Buttons. Also on YouTube at YouTube.com slash MASH Those Buttons. Katie, who's not here, can be found at Hyrule Master 77 on Twitter. I am at WookieBH on Twitter. You can also find me here on the MASH Those Buttons Network on WoW Talk. where I talk about Warcraft news and guild management. And also on our new show, it is Squad Goals, a mass, a mass effect, a Mass Effect Legendary Edition podcast. It's going to be me, Kurabara, our editor, and uh, Co- uh, not Corey. Corey's Kurabara, uh, Chip from Wondrous Tales, and we're going to be playing through the Mass Effect Legend Legendary Edition when uh, that comes out uh, in the near future. So look forward to that. Join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons. And also email us your thoughts about what you think about is going on in patch 9.1. What are you excited for? What do you want to see happen? What are you disappointed that's not happening in 9.1? What theories did you have that haven't panned out? Or do you want to celebrate like I am that you cro- properly called Elune as uh, uh, the, the Winter Queen's sister and the Primus being the Rune Carver? You want to celebrate those calls? Uh, go ahead and email us. Let us know. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us out, please share it and rate it if you can. And visit mtb.g slash support to see all the ways you can support mash those buttons and all our great podcasts including on patreon where for as little as one dollar a month you can gain early access to content as well as to patron exclusive content such as my weekly wow thoughts where i talk about what i'm thinking about in wow for about 10 minutes each week also for those in the chat room please consider a twitch subscription if you can and you can also check out our humble bundle affiliate link as well as our paypal one-time donation link over at mtb.gg slash support and stay tuned to hear about our other shows on the mash those buttons network our next, I'm, our next episode is scheduled to record, I'm going to say, on May 26th at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but check Twitter for any updates because, as we said earlier, real life gets in the way and changes a lot of stuff. Uh, for Katie and for Sarith and for Dracorus, I'm Nick. Ancestors watch over you. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. 
If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashLoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at Mash.gg slash Discord. 